welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on industry topics that are top of mind for IT professionals. This time, I am joined by Evan Kerstel, social media influencer and digital practitioner. Evan, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. Nice to finally connect here on the podcast. Yeah, no kidding. So tell, uh, you know, spend a minute or so, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thanks for that. I've been around the um, enterprise and telecom world for 25 years, from uh, very big companies like Intel and Oracle through to startups. And a few years ago, uh, finally decided to get out of the rat race, as it were, and out of the corporate world and go solo as a sort of solopreneur bringing um, perspective on obviously enterprise tech, but also social and digital to clients. And so I've carved out this role as a sort of uh, digital social influencer, helping clients not only with um, sort of content marketing and uh, social media marketing, but also perspective on the industry. And so happily uh, out of the rat race and, um, enjoying my new life as a sort of small business owner. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know I've been um, following you on Twitter for a while and um, we've had our, um, our Twitter discussions a number of times and I think we might've crossed paths somewhere in an event or something, but uh, it's a pleasure to um, finally get you on the program. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. And you know, Twitter is an interesting destination. If you eliminate 99% of the nonsense uh, and and politics right. and pop culture, the one percent is actually kind of a cool uh, community of of you know practitioners and CIOs, CXOs, and entrepreneurs, and um, it's it's kind of an interesting place. It's just how you have to wade through the noise to find it. Yeah, unfortunately, I've found myself creating some of that noise over the last <laughs> um, few days. So I um, I'm going to try and peel back. Um, uh, I, I, you know, you just can't, um, we can't convince each other most of the time of, of political messages over Twitter. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure we can convince each other of political messages with a sledgehammer, but we certainly can't do it over Twitter. So I need to just back off and, and, um, and let wild comments be wild comments and forget them. Good idea. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so today, you know, we, uh, this is a topic, the 5G specifically, that we wanted to talk about. Um, and both of us have done some writing and some, and some speaking on the subject of 5G. And so I'm, I'm excited about getting into this with you and, and seeing where the conversation takes us and seeing if we can relate this to some of the things that I've written and some of the things that you've written and, and you know, what this might mean for uh, the greater population of, uh, of end users from a technology uh, adoption standpoint. Yeah, happy to. And I, I've been around uh, the telecom space since about 92. Uh, I had one of the first GSM phones. So I guess you could have called me a 1G uh, no, no user. And at one level, it's, it's, it's kind of a linear progression, right? We had 1G and 2G and 2.5 and 3G and 4G. And now we have 5G. It all seems very neat and tidy and linear. But on the other hand, 5G is a 10 or 100x order of magnitude jump in terms of a, a new platform. And um, so it's kind of um, a bit re- revolutionary. It has the opportunity, let's say, to be 
revolutionary over the next number of years in terms of its impact. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And so, you know, with that kind of uh, uh, opening around 5G, um, you know, let's get into the first question. Uh, you know, when, when do you expect to see 5G as kind of a mainstream technology, right? And, and, and uh, I, there's a lot of different ways to describe mainstream. It could be mainstream for a spe- specific functional area or whatever. But, you know, generically speaking, when do we see, expect to see 5G in a lot of areas where people are likely to be to have more regular access to it and the tools to benefit from it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And, um, you know, uh, forecasting is hard. I, I'd hate to be one of those analysts that have to come out with their their forecast because these things are perennially wrong. But um, on one hand, I think it depends where you live. If you live in China or South Korea, the answer is going to be very different than if you live here in the U.S. You know, or even in Europe. So it's uh, very country and network dependent and, and there are a number of technology constraints and also political and sort of socioeconomic, economic constraints. Um, so having said that here in the U.S., I, I think we're on the, you know, bleeding edge or cutting edge right now. If, if you're a uh, highly motivated early adopter, consumer, prosumer kind of person, you can find um, a 5G phone or one of a few models and you can... If you look hard, you can find coverage uh, in, in a few select cities and a few select neighborhoods and cities. And, and so the early indications have been it's for the consumer, it's going to be pretty cool, right? I mean, super fast, super low latency, conducive to uh, great content consumption, conducive to gaming and chat and social. So the consumer will see have one experience and that's only going to get better as all the carriers do their nationwide rollout over the next three, you know, two to three years. Um, But the impact on business and business applications and different verticals, I think, will be much more profound, both near term and and short and and long term. So I'm much more bullish on the business applications. Uh, Consumers will be excited by, you know, a fast new phone, particularly as and when Apple decide to launch. You know, finally launch a 5G phone probably right, next right. year. So yep. we'll all be very excited as consumers. But I think businesses could really, uh, you know, transform certain aspects of their business and their network and their data center yep. and their cloud around 5G over the next two to three years as well. And so do you think um, when you when you say that uh, industry will benefit more um and there might be more exciting applications to paraphrase what you're saying, saying um, in, the, in the next few years relative to 5G. Is that a, um, a timing thing or is it that many of the applications that consumers would actually benefit from start with uh, uh, being created by industry in general? So is it is sort of an overlap there? Yeah, there's, there's definitely an overlap. I, I think this time, however... Uh, there's an opportunity to, to, for businesses to really refresh their infrastructure in a way they haven't done in quite some years. You know, if you think about their wired infrastructure, let's take healthcare. You, you, you know, either a data center or a healthcare oper- a hospital operation, health IT kind of operation. These networks are pretty antiquated, and they haven't gotten a really good refresh in in a decade. You know, both the wired infrastructure is aging and can't support 
things like uh, you know massive data transfers, file transfers, or video in the hospital in patient's bed, or, or even you know telemedicine at scale. And the wireless networks are still running on older Wi-Fi standards, even. And so, you know, pick a pick a vertical like healthcare. There's a chance with 5G to refresh that entire infrastructure, wired and wireless, in one in one go. And so, that's an opportunity that can be leveraged. And you then, you know, scale that out to other verticals. Take manufacturing. Take automotive. You know, to you know, on and on. And, and um, it, it'll have a kind of um, big effect on the, uh, you know, the enterprise and you know, business uh, uh, IT world. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, when I think about um, the, the rollout of 5G, I, I sort of see it um, in phases. And it doesn't mean that there won't be overlap uh, from the different phases, but that the it's likely that the, you know, to the point you made earlier, that the first rollout is going to be, um, for many, a very narrow rollout associated with solving for a specific environment uh, problem, like on a campus or in a, um, in a steel mill or in a manufacturing uh, facility or something to that nature, a chemical plant or whatever. Um, and uh, obviously there will be reciprocal, or I'm assuming there will be reciprocal uh, rollouts of some sort that are more consumer oriented or more generic business oriented. But do you see that the uh, sort of a rollout from a kind of a phased approach in that regard, or do you see more just um, uh, general adoption kind of across the board as opportunity presents itself? Well, I think it's, um, I, I think it is, we're going to see a mass adoption. There's no question the Silicon vendors are getting ready. And as they scale up and as the handset manufacturers scale up and as, you know, Qualcomm chips become cheaper and smaller and faster and better. We'll 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 reach economies of scale, which will make it a mass market um, product. But I think the carriers have have goals that are not necessarily the same as the consumer goals. I mean, they have massive challenges scaling their network to support high data rates, to support uh, outdoor applications, to support indoor specific applications, to support the Internet of Things. So they need 5G to transform themselves to sort of uh, support this new wave of services that's coming online. And so they're, they're really re-engineering their networks. I mean, think about going to a baseball game or a, ba- a football game or you know, how challenging it is, you know, with a sports environment to get bandwidth and to get, uh, you know, streaming replays. I mean, it's just impossible now. In, in certain venues to get good wireless quality of service. And so 5G brings a lot in terms of scale, in terms of carrier efficiencies, frequencies, spectrum efficiencies, and to enable carriers to roll out a whole slew of new services they can't do on existing 4G networks with limitations that exist from Internet of Things to wearables to telehealth, telemedicine, and on and on and on. So it's an opportunity for the carriers as well as hopefully for these consumers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the opportunity for a number of reasons. And um, I think I'll, I'll start the second question now and where we can tar- start talking a little bit more about um, how we see, how you see specifically 5G manifesting itself from an opportunity standpoint and what that growth might look like, et cetera. You know, so from a, 
from a straightforward question standpoint, do you see a broad new set of applications and opportunities at the edge occurring as a result of 5G deployments? Um, you know, I've read, I've written about the edge marketplace. Um, do you think 5G could help to create that? Yeah, I really do. And I think the opportunities will come from places that we have yet to sort of imagine as, as possible. Um, so, you know, things like in-home care via sensors or high quality, low latency video, uh, tele telehealth, telemedicine applications or, you know, home security, home monitoring, you know, with mobile robots around the home. I mean, things that require much, much better networks at scale and much better network performance and latency and, and jitter and so forth. So I, I see a whole host of applications that, yeah. you know, are doable on today's networks, but not at scale and, and not at the performance uh, that, that's needed. Now, you know, something that I, and it's quite possible that it's just my perception rather than some real um, situation or reality, but my perception uh, in discussions with people who aren't uh, sure or don't necessarily, aren't ready necessarily right now to believe that 5G is going to be massive or that the edge is going to be massive or that it's needed, is, is there some uh, a lack of recognition for what the potential impact of, of more endpoint um, uh, requirements from a network standpoint, uh, even from smart houses, smart homes, autonomous vehicles, uh, roadways, park benches, um, wave patterns, uh, parking garages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are we, are we sort of sitting on our own little bubble like, oh, my solution won't require that much, so 5G isn't that important, and are we missing the fact that my solution will be one of thousands in any given town or city. Yeah. I mean, at, on one hand, IOT isn't anything new. What, what 5G gives you is a, a new family of standards that are global. So efficiencies mean that you can leverage the same standard, the same silicon, the same software devices worldwide. And 5G is the only global IOT standard worldwide. So although there are, there are IoT networks that will compete with 5G and, you know, there are little IoT networks all around the world, there's nothing like 5G in terms of one global standard, one set of interfaces for developers and, and one set of platforms and tools and silicon, you know, semiconductors. And so that that's what's pretty revolutionary and will mean new applications um, can emerge that would have otherwise stayed as niche. And as far as, you know, we don't see it because we're not uh, 14-year-olds playing esports and Fortnite uh, like my uh, my 14-year-old is. Uh, yep. he, he already complains about uh, uh, bandwidth on Comcast, and I have the highest, highest gig uh, service available. Um, you know, so when it comes to these new technologies like esports and gaming, cloud gaming, mobile gaming is just one category. You know, it's, it's a lot of people like us sit in our ivory towers or in our gray suits and sort of wonder why do why do these crazy wacky kids or you know startups or young people need this kind of bandwidth or network or performance? It's sort of like you know build the platform and uh, the developers will figure out a way to use it. Well, and I, I think that's kind of um, core, right? And I mean, 
I don't remember whether you and I have specifically had this or entertained this kind of conversation on Twitter, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had. And that's the, the basic principle that when you make something um, uh, reasonably cost effective uh, and make it widely available, people will find new ways to exploit it. And um, uh, I think there are a lot of people that are surprised initially uh, because uh, about 5G rollout and the willingness of people to pay extra for it. Um, because uh, the assumption by many in the marketplace was that there wouldn't be people willing, and yet millions of gamers have signed up for 5G. And uh, I remember reading an article in uh, South, about South Korea and 5G deployment. And they, in the first two weeks that it was available, they got 1.9 million subscribers signed up. Yeah, no, there's, there's, out, there's appetite for bandwidth, for, for services, it's just going to come from different areas. And that's a good point because, you know, in cities and, and larger towns, uh, we're going to have access, but we're sort of going to create a new digital divide as well, because a lot of rural America, at least initially, won't have access to 5G and it's not at the right frequency bands. You know, it's for denser urban or suburban areas. And so we are creating new digital divides <laughs> that separate sort of the haves uh, and the have-nots. I'm here in Boston, you're in Las Vegas or elsewhere. We'll certainly have screaming fast 5G access, but uh, good luck in Pocatello, right? So right. there there has to be more thought to, to sort of the underserved areas and remote uh rural areas as well. And today's 5G, at least in the U.S., is not very well geared uh, towards that. No, agreed. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, it is unfortunate and, um, you know, historical problem that we'll, this won't be the first time we've faced it. Ideally, uh, we come up with some, uh, you know, industry plan, maybe even supported by the government um, that would help facilitate getting 5G into more areas, uh, more rural areas. But, um, you know, the the, the benefit of 5G, even though it costs more per square inch than LTE, is that you can get, you know, thousands of subscribers and links and connections and bandwidth um, from a single location. And if you don't even have thousands to begin with, then all of a sudden the price modeling doesn't look as good. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about... Um, the, the potential for creating a marketplace. Um, what do you see as, as sort of requirements for, from an industry standpoint, for people to be able to exploit um, 5G deployment in their neighborhood? Um, and you could call that a, a function or a factor of infrastructure um, upgrading and, and uh, availability. What do you see as some of the, the roadblocks or opportunities for people to exploit um, those capabilities. Yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge in the U.S. You know, we're a vast country, uh, unlike you know uh, Seoul or or, or Shenzhen. You, you know, a ten thousand base station deployment uh, doesn't cover the whole country, right? So, you, you know, that might be a city. Um, so there's a vast amount of investment of infrastructure. There's a vast uh, zoning requirement um and you know in our towns and cities and and counties uh in the u.s they have a big say in uh construction and what gets dug up and what gets put on towers and where and how and um you know democracy is ugly so 
yeah that's really gonna gonna slow down i i think 5g deployment outside of uh you know some of the more traditional destinations like those cities we talked about so it's going to be a real challenge and um you know, it may be in three to five years we, we see uh, low Earth orbit satellite broadband being more effective for some of those lesser populated areas, you know, with what Elon Musk is doing right? or or Amazon with its constellations. So, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not sure 5G will ultimately win 100 percent of the game long term. But in any case, it is a pretty dynamic and fascinating marketplace, and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of the low-Earth orbit uh, satellites as well, and they, they could solve a lot of problems, especially for rural areas, even providing more bandwidth. But, but it's unlikely that they'd be able to provide the kind of low-latency bandwidth that your um, son is dying for. Um, you know, cause the, fat, the fat pipe doesn't mean that much if the link has to go an extra... Uh, 1400 or 1500 miles based on angle of um, satellite to destination um, uh, you know in order for it to um, uh, provide round trip right right so it would be fascinating to see how they tackle some of those problems but you know taking a look globally what a great opportunity for countries that are mired in you know legacy technology or even sort of developing countries uh, that just don't have that backhaul, that infrastructure today. Right. So it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting to watch. No, absolutely. And I mean, there's an opportunity for continents like um, Africa, et cetera, to kind of leapfrog um, the massive build out of infrastructure that we've done in the U S or in Europe or even parts of Asia. Um, Cause you know, everybody already computes on their phone as it is in, in Africa, or at least in a big portion of Africa. And, um, you know, the giving them real bandwidth and real access to the world, um, you know, at a low cost could be extremely meaningful to that environment for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be something else. And um, can't wait to get my own 5G device. I'm still uh, still waiting. So I'm hoping that in the Boston area, I'll have some sort of coverage or access by the end of this year. Have you seen anything around Vegas about plans or announcements for? Uh, I heard, I heard, uh, I read somewhere that uh, one of the companies had plans for the Vegas uh, environment, but I haven't seen anything advertised about its availability recently. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I am uh, interested in trying it out. I've seen reports from a few friends who are getting access to it, and and others who have just uh, posted, um, you know, gifts or short videos on um, on uh, tweet, uh, uh, Twitter, etc. Um, of the amazing uh, performance um, that they're seeing in areas where they do have access to 5G. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. There are a lot of applications now that could take advantage of, of the sort of new wave of high-speed services, whether it's fleets, you know, delivery services, um, you know, all these new Amazon vans that are around. I mean, there's just so many... Uh, mobility applications now that I think could use, you know, a brand new network. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. I mean, even all the different uh, companies that are building robotic uh, food and and product delivery um, machines, robots to uh, cruise around town, um, all of that, uh, especially as the growth of those things uh, accelerates, all of that could potentially benefit from 
5G availability. Yeah, and I think the smart cities concept is really interesting. And I think there's some low-hanging fruit around things like vehicle sensing and traffic congestion, uh, parking applications, safety, you know, public safety, security monitoring, uh, that, that'll take advantage of these networks right away. And I think yeah, that I think- could make the street safer and, um, frankly, less crowded, less uh, risky for people yeah. and for vehicles. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I don't know how much of what I'm about to say matters to 5G specifically. I would think that it could probably just help in isolating um, timing because of latency and et cetera. But uh, I was talking with a group of people from the um, uh, transport industry, uh, automakers, and um, it was interesting to have one of them mention that, uh, you know, they discovered an interesting way to help cities keep up with potholes their cars can report when they hit a pothole and send it somewhere and actually give geolocations to the potholes that have, uh, that, that get hit the most on which streets in the city that you're in. And so it's, it's, it's one silly little thing, right? Thinking about potholes, but it's, I think, and, and I uh, wouldn't mind a couple minutes of elaboration from you on that. Um, I think it's an indicator of, of, of how potentially massive this, new access to instant information um, uh, might change the way we uh, live and work in, in uh, urban areas. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, 5G will be the internet in everything. And whether that's in a car for sensing and you know vehicle uh, collision avoidance or security, or whether it's in a camera for, 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 for monitoring police, for police, firefighters, remote monitoring, you know, video streaming, uh, or whether it's, you know, in uh, in a hotel for guests to have, you know, faster bandwidth in a hotel than they have at home for, you know, once in their lifetime. Uh, imagine that in Vegas, right? I mean, there's just so many use cases. Uh, it's it's the internet, right? I mean, there's an infinite number of use, use cases. And so 5G is just bringing, you know, the internet into places that really hasn't existed before for reasons of scale or engineering or, or other limitations. Right. Right. No, I'm, so I'm excited about it. I mean, suffice to say, both of us are excited about the potential opportunities and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so Evan, uh, you know, before we wrap up, um, any uh, final thought that you'd like to share with the audience? No, it's going to be an exciting year and, um, you know, lots of announcements and news. And one thing I like about social media is it's, you know, sort of an instantaneous news source for the latest insight analysis, updates, news, um, and access to, you know, thought leaders like yourself and opinion leaders and and others. So, you know, catch me on Twitter and or follow the hashtag 5G and um, get the latest updates. It really is the best information source out there. No, I, w- I would agree. And, and for those of you listening, um, I highly recommend uh, following um, Evan Kerstel. Uh, and he can be found at, uh, well, I'll let Evan actually say to it, but he is um, constantly tweeting uh, worthy updates and contributing to uh, conversations on topics like 5G on Twitter. So I highly recommend uh, giving him a follow. So what's your, what's, what are the best ways, Twitter and any others? To yeah, LinkedIn's also a great Twitter. platform, not just for networking, but for publishing and content. So catch me there at Evan, E-V-A-N, Kirstel, K-I-R-S-T-E-L. I I look forward to um, chatting soon. Awesome. 
Well, Evan, thank you very much for being on the program and um, joining me on this episode. It's been a lot of fun and uh, uh, certainly, uh, hopefully, a little bit eye-opening for some of the audience. Um, and for those of you listening, uh, please feel free to nominate anyone who you think might be an interesting candidate for a future podcast. And you can send that email to podcast at idc-a.org. And until next time, I'm Mark Teeley, and you can find me on Twitter at mteeley10 or LinkedIn at Mark Teeley, T-H-I-E-L-E. And Evan, thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much.